Live from San Diego, California, we go live to the newsroom with your host for Nick's Nerd. Hello and welcome to Nick's Nerd News. I'm your host, Nick. Let's get right into the news, shall we? No, no, no. No, we're not getting right into the news today. Because I have some things that I need to say that I say every goddamn week. In all seriousness, though. Thank you guys for coming. I hope you guys enjoyed your holidays last week. Uh, Hopefully you got to enjoy Stranger Things and Spider-Man. We're going to be talking about those on the show today. Hopefully... You got a nice, long, well-rested weekend under your belt. But other than that, welcome to Nick's Nerd News. As I already said, I am your host, Nick. If you guys like what I talk about here, then you'll probably love my social media channels because they are just chock full of funny memes. Check us out on Nick's Nerd News, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, depending on which uh, social media platform you prefer. Hell, if you want to see all three in one fancy place, check out nixnerdnews.com. And while you're there, check out the show. If, you, if you're if you new to the show, you can check out old episodes. If you've been a fan for a long time, you can listen to your favorites. And also while you're there, you can check us out, uh, check out links, I should say, to our Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play Store locations. So if you want to listen to Nick's Nerd News on the go, that's your place. And like I said, you can listen to us right there in the browser. Unfortunately, I have not been updating that website as much as I'd like to. Hey, life gets in the way. Things will come and go as as, as time pro- progresses. Definitely when I go to Halo, the Halo Outpost Discovery Convention later in the year, I'll take a lot of pictures that I won't be able to put on Facebook that I'll put there. When I take a lot of pictures, uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm going to TwitchCon this year, so I'll take pictures there and, and put it up as well. And of course, next year when I go to Star Wars Celebration 2020, and we're talking about things a year away from now. So let's uh, get away from that and just hop right in to what you have come here to listen to, and that's me prattle on and on and on about nonsensical topics that make sense to very few people on this planet, but a very vocal, positive, great community, if you ask me. That is the nerd community. That is you. And that's who I want to talk to today. Wow, that made no sense, didn't it? Anyway, video games, as always, is our first topic today. And first thing was first. Uh, last week, we, I reported, uh, that was reported widely by everyone, about the new games with, uh, or the PSN Plus games that are free this month on PlayStation. And we had a bit of a switcheroo last minute, right, uh, after the show had already recorded. And that is that... Sony changed the f- one of the free games, which was PES 11, or 20, PES 11 2020, I think it was, or 2019, uh, was replaced with Detroit Become Human. And apparently, this was not Konami's decision. They said, no, this was all Sony. And rumor and speculation points to it being that Sony has a new partnership with FIFA, and they probably... Got a call from EA like, hey, uh, why are you giving away a free copy of our competitor when you just signed a deal with us to advertise our soccer game? Granted, that's probably all bullshit, but who knows? I don't. So, anyway, that's that. So if you were hoping to get PS11, the soccer game, too bad. Now you can get Detroit Become Human, which is considered a very good game. I did not personally play it. I know a few people that did. They had a lot of fun. 
it's one of those mind fuck games. So, you know, like it's all about moral choices and things like this. But that's neither here nor there. Anyway, moving on. Remedy, the makers of Alan Wake, the original Max Payne games, Quantum Break, the upcoming Control, have reacquired the publishing rights to Alan Wake from Microsoft. So, Remedy already owned the IP. They, they did get to keep the IP. They did not have the publishing rights. Unfortunately, I don't think this means we will get an Alan Wake 2, because that is such an underrated, amazing game. What I do know is this could possibly mean that we get a re-release, or maybe the original Alan Wake game moves on to another platform. I highly doubt that, because I'm pretty sure Microsoft would try to fight it, even though they can't anymore. But in all honesty, that's good, because that means more people can get their hands on a amazing game that I loved when it first came out. I really think everyone should play it, and hopefully now more people will get the chance to. Also, the Sony Interactive Entertainment CEO Jim Ryan said that they are open to more studio acquisitions ahead of PS5. Sony already owns quite a number of studios. It'd be interesting to see who would they who they would go after now uh, to kind of add to their portfolio. Most people guess Insomniac. I wonder if they would want to do that or if they want to make games again for future platforms, things like this. But who knows? No word on if anything has really happened. Maybe we'll learn more at Gamescom next month. Yeah, because it's July now. How about that? That's really the only studio I can think of. that, uh, Or the people that make Heavy Rain and Detroit Become Human. Uh, speaking of, of Insomniac, uh, far f- the, the three Spider-Man suits from Far From Home have been added to... Spider-Man PS4, or the two suits, excuse me, the two suits. So that spy suit, that black one that you see in the commercials, and then the new suit that's red and black. Uh, Those have been added to Spider-Man PS4 for free. Also got news about Cyberpunk. Uh, It's going to actually feature three unique playable origin stories for your character. So you can choose from three. So allowing for some different playable options as, as, uh, or replayability as, as you get, as we get closer to that game. Cuphead's long-announced and long-awaited DLC will release next year. They deleted it. Deleted it. They delayed it in order to allow for less crunch and to allow the studio to really provide a, an awesome product. Activision announced that the new Call of Duty will let you reload while aiming down sights to alleviate a lot of, of issues regarding that. And the Dark Souls producer has announced that he wants to work with Guillermo del Toro, who's probably the best person that they really should work with. Not George R. R. Martin, Guillermo del Toro. He'd be the best person to work with. Is Team Rocket being teased for Pokemon Go? At Anime Expo this past weekend, we already got the announcement that Armored Mewtwo from the Mewtwo Strikes Back remake is going to be making his way to Pokemon Go later in the month. And then we've also been getting hints that we might possibly be getting Team Rocket in Pokemon Go. I wonder if you'll be able to join them uh, as an alternative to Team Majestic and and all the other ones who I'm failing to remember at this very moment. However, one of the big things that came out this week is Shenmue 3 is facing a bit of backlash yet again. And surprise, surprise, it's all related to Epic Games. Actually, it's not that surprising. So, recently came out that Shenmue was going to be exclusive to the Epic Store. And now it's coming out that Steam keys will not be offered to backers at launch. Uh, and the stretch goal was canceled. So, despite the fact that it was announced on Sony's stage at E3 a number of years ago, it uh, uh, became a Kickstarter game, and 
Uh, it originally broke that WiseNet announced that it will be unable to provide Steam keys to Kickstarter backers at launch. In addition to the lead-up, it has also been said the stretch goal has that was met by backers has not been included in the game, which is really shitty. And there, they explained on Kickstarter that, according to them, quote, coordination with the sales policies of the involved companies was untenable, whatever that means. Uh, they didn't really go into specifics, but they are being published by Deep Silver and partnering with Epic Games for PC distribution. It's a limited time exclusive for Epic Games, so for one year, uh, and this is what's going to happen. So this is this is before things changed late in the game, but apparently people who back out of the PC version can also request to be sent a Steam key when Shenmue 3 launches on Valve's store the following year, or who opt for, not out, excuse me. Uh, at launch, they will still get an Epic Games Store key if they still want to get it. Alternatively, they can change to PlayStation 4, uh, which... They will not get the Steam key a year later. Uh, people who aren't satisfied is not offering pledge refunds, uh, and they will announce it at a uh, special time in the future. They also said, quote, Along with significant project, project changes at the heart of this announcement, there have been many other changes since our original assumptions. I believe, however, that the game overall has been strengthened and that Shenmue 3 has assured, assuredly been transformed and is heading in a positive direction. That's from the, the head of the studio. They also addressed that the game will not include the expanded perspective system, which was a stretch goal backers met during the crowdfunding campaign. Uh, it would have allowed players to control other characters. No concrete details were offered uh, on to why. Uh, also, there were seven other stretch goals that were not met during the fundraising uh, that would have been included in the game, but that got canceled apparently to... Uh, this is in thanks according to them, to an increased development budget due to additional sales partners. But, but, it doesn't stop there. So obviously a lot of people are pissed because they backed the game, they expected to get it on Steam, and they're not getting it on Steam for at least a year because of the, the exclusivity deal that was signed with Epic. And that's frustrating because Epic does not have the quality of life that Steam does. And don't get me wrong, I'm not going to go into the, the specifics over... The practices of Steam and other things like this because we, we've done that before. But this isn't the first time a game has jumped ship to Steam at the last minute, but people don't usually get screwed over. Like when the most recent uh, Metro game went to Epic at the last minute. People who pre-ordered it on Steam still got it on Steam. However, after this news all broke, uh, CEO of, of Epic, Tim Sweeney, came out and said that Epic will fund the cost of all the Kickstarter refunds, so if people want refunds, they'll get them. Uh, Sweeney also says future games that become Epic store, Game Store exclusives after initial crowdfunding campaign that promises availability on other PC platforms will also be covered by Epic, either by making sure that the keys are available for other platforms in advance or through guaranteed refunds at the time of Epic exclusivity announcement. He tweeted, when future games go Epic exclusive after offering crowdfunding rewards on other PC stores, we'll either coordinate with colleagues at other stores to ensure key availability in advance or guarantee refunds at announcement time. That's still not cool. I, like, I get it. I get independent developers are going to go to Kickstarter for money for their games because they know people will buy their games. However, with that being said, if someone promises on one platform and then reneges on that, that's really shitty. Because some people don't either have access to that. Granted, Epic Game Store is free, just like Steam is. But again, it, it comes down to quality of life, where your friends are, and, and, and other things like that. So I, I get it. 
and Epic is is playing a real dirty game lately. And it makes sense because I mean you're you're going up against the the number one here in the market, and that's Steam. But it's it's at the expense of players, unfortunately, and that's the downside to this whole situation. Doesn't bother me because I'm not getting Shenmue three, so whatever. <laughs> that's a really really hand waving there. Uh, and final bit of gaming news here: EA, 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 EA of all people have said that they struggle being labeled the bad guys. Yeah, fuck them if you ask me. Uh, apparently, according to, uh, this is, hold on, uh, Matt Bailey, or Matt Bilby, excuse me, who is, he was talking to GameIndustry.biz, and he's head of, like, what is this, uh, President of Strategic Growth, Vice President of Strategic Growth, has said, 25 years at EA, and I still struggle with the external perception that we're just a bunch of bad guys. We love making and playing games. Unfortunately, when we make mistakes on games, the world knows about it because of its size and scale. And they're trying to change it with how EA Originals is their, like, outreach program, essentially. And he says, As we got bigger, there is concern that we had become disconnected from new talent coming through. EA Originals is our opportunity to connect with that talent and those smaller ideas. EA Originals are also games that we don't make in the bigger part of EA or don't make enough of. So while the philanthropic part to it, selfishly, it was the way for us to connect to talent on smaller ideas. So... If you're unaware, EA Originals is them publishing indie games, essentially. And the, the, uh, so that, that's just following up on that. But then, then he also said, When you are in a company and have had successes and mistakes around live service microtransactions, free-to-play, what geographies, what partners to work with, what animation engines, it actually feels good for our teams to sit with EA Original developers, and you can actually give real advice. It genuinely makes you feel good. It's advice to help them not make the same mistakes. Cool, but you're still EA, you've still made huge, giant mistakes that have pissed the world off, and you're still going to get labeled as the bad guys. You guys have been, they, EA, you guys, EA has been labeled the worst company in America for like a decade running. There's a reason, there's a reason people hate EA, because they do scandalous, ridiculous shit that pisses people off, and it all comes off as money grabbing, and that's the problem people have. So unless EA starts doing a little bit more consumer-friendly practices and not laying off people and canceling games and then giving giant bonuses to, to their executives, maybe then, maybe then people will start to look on them differently. And that's my rant on that. Let's move on to TV, shall we? Let's not focus on negativity. So, Vertigo is not completely dead, as many of you might have assumed. Vertigo will live on at Netflix in the form of a Sandman TV show. Man, that makes me very excited. I am very happy for that. Uh, Sandman, uh, I, I do want to read it. I have, I have yet to have a chance to read it. Uh, Sandman is the seminal Vertigo comic that people always point to, written by Neil Gaiman. Uh, that's where you get characters like The Dream, who's been a, a regular presence in DC Comics as of late, uh, Hellblazer, and John Constantine. Lucifer, things like this. So so Sandman is a very important comic to many people all over the world and was almost is almost as influential as Watchmen. I'll say that. I'll I'll die on that hill. I have no issue doing it. That's ex- expected to start filming sometime next year. Neil Gaiman is involved and so is David Goyer, who's been attached to a very large amount of superhero properties in the in the last 20 years or so. Netflix Speaking of Netflix and, and shows re- 
being adapted from other media. We got our first look at a lot of the cast of The Witcher in costume as they've, I think they've wrapped filming, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, Henry Cavill looks great. Still doesn't have his two swords yet like he does in the game. Also doesn't have a beard because this is going to be based more on the books. But it is something that is going to be a lot of uh, very exciting for people. Gremlins is getting a prequel animated show for the Warner streaming service that is yet to be announced. I don't know why we need that. Do we really need to know where, where Mowgli? Mogwai. Fucking A, dude. Where Mogwai comes from. Mogwai. Mogwai. Fuck, I, I, I don't know. Gremlins, yo. <laughs> uh, um, J.A. Bayona, the director of Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, has been tapped to direct a few shows of Amazon's Lord of the Rings show. So I wonder if they're going for that horror vibe or just because he knows how to be in charge on like a big heavy-duty movie set nowadays. So he's uh, qualified, essentially, to run a, a production like that. That's probably one of the reasons. In a tease from the showrunners of Arrow, they posted a picture of a new costume for Oliver Queen, teasing a more comics-accurate look. I, for one, am very excited for this. Uh, looks like it's kind of a, a mix of, of the old stuff. Uh, they didn't show it off fully. It just looks to be like the, the chest section of, of the costume. It looks a lot like the costume worn by Hartley Sawyer in Smallville, though. So that'd be interesting, and and I'm guessing he's going to be palling around with the Monitor in this final season, so maybe he'll be going to different multiverse locations and we'll be seeing different takes on Arrow, so who knows? I, for one, am very excited. I cannot wait for the final season. I've been a huge fan since day one. You guys know I've been talking about it on this show for quite a while. We will be following along every single week. Just like we did with Game of Thrones final season, we're going to do that with Arrow, because Arrow was a very important step when it came to superhero television. And we are going to go out with a bang just like it is going to go out with a bang in Crisis on Infinite Earths later this year. But, but, let's get to what you've all been waiting for here, and that's Stranger Things Season 3. That was a doozy of a season, huh? Eight episodes, ended on a, not so much of a cliffhanger, but ends with a lot of questions. It took me for a wild ride, and I'm sure it took you for a wild ride as well. But season three was amazing. The one thing that, that struck me was the production value on this show, like, increased, um, like, tenfold on a show that already had, like, an amazing production value. Like, like I'm, I'm shocked at what they were able to do with it. And it, it's something that I... I loved watching i will say this though season three should have been like rated r or some shit because there was some crazy stuff going on that i did not expect to see in a show like stranger things which is kind of uh, i mean it's not a, a family show per se it kind of is a uh, very pg-13 almost but definitely something that i i did not expect to happen and there were some crazy, uh, crazy scenes going on in there with like, like the monster and some of the, the flayed, if you have it, as they are. The mind flayer is the main villain returning from season two. Granted, he, he comes back in a, a more central role as the villain as, a, as opposed to what, uh, as opposed to what he was in, in season two. Granted, 
I think it works better in season three than he did in season two because he, he didn't really have a voice, if you will. Uh, and they they bring back characters that I was not exactly a, a fan of uh, in, in, in the previous seasons. But they build on they build on the things that most people probably didn't like, and turn that character into uh, uh, the antagonist, if you will. But there's a, a great character arc that follows, and, and there's real payoff, there's real buildup as well. And the thing that I, I found striking, they they kind of split the cast up a bit. I'm I'm not gonna go too much into it. We'll we'll talk about it. Probably never, but anyway, I, I don't want to get too deep into spoilers because it's still very new. It's a show. It's a little different than a movie where a lot of people are going to check it out in one weekend, but I really appreciated what they did in season three on Stranger Things. It ended in a, on a sad note, but but if you watch the final couple minutes before the credits roll, and there is a mid-credits stinger, so, so stay around for that, but if you watch the final couple scenes... Things are not what they seem. So, just pay attention. Like, like I'm saying, pay attention. Someone or something is happening, and then when they cut away, you'll notice something different. So keep an eye out. I'm not saying what, I'm not saying how, or anything. Just pay attention to the last couple minutes, or not before, the, not the last couple minutes, I'm sorry. But in, in a very pivotal scene, you'll know what I'm talking about when you get there, there is... Something to keep your eyes open for. And that's all I'm going to leave it at that. But Stranger Things Season 3, for me, was a 10 out of 10. Knocked it out of the fucking park. Like, straight up back to, like, Season 1. The music was great. It, it captured that 80s vibe so perfectly. Clothes, everything. Music. The music was on fucking point this year. Like, unbelievably on point. I, I, was, I was just enjoying every single minute of it. And I cannot wait. I cannot wait for season four because you know it's happening. You know it's happening. Just, oh man, it's going to be good. It's going to be so fucking good. And hopefully, hopefully things pay off. I don't know if they're going to do more beyond season four or how they're going to end it. But it's it's building up to, to be good. That That's that's it. I just That's all I'm going to say. 10 out of 10, like I said, it is something that I can't wait for. But that's it for TV. Let's head on down to the silver screen your local theater, your local cinema, and let's chat about the movies, shall we? Well, in an ever-increasing delay, the Flash movie has found yet another director. This is the third director. It is now going to be helmed by Andy Muschietti, the director of It and It Chapter 2. Uh, apparently, John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein are out over creative differences. This is the third time the third time that's happened, and it's going to be written by Christina Hodson, who wrote Birds of Prey and Bumblebee. I guess the studio passed on the script that Ezra Miller and Grant Morrison were writing that was a little darker in tone. I wonder what happened with John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein uh, for them to leave. I know the studio's trying to go for a more lighthearted tone like they did with Aquaman and Shazam and everything like that. And uh, the script Ezra Miller writer, was writing was a little more dark, a little more closer in tone to Zack Snyder and things like that. He also threatened to walk if they didn't use his script. So I'm, I wonder what's going on. An interesting choice here with going with another horror director. That's three horror directors in a row now on, on some of the more recent movies. So it was a horror director, James Wan in Aquaman. Horror director in Shazam with 
with uh god damn i can't think of his name i just know his twitter handle twitter handle pony smasher <laughs> wow anyway who knows if that flash movie's even happening anymore it started as a flash solo then it turned into a flash cyborg buddy cop movie then it went back to flash solo and then it was dark and then it was light and then comedy writers were brought in it's all over the goddamn place but so is the flash hopefully that still comes out sometime in the future I liked Ezra Miller as Barry Allen. Different, but good. David Harbour. Speaking of Stranger Things, David Harbour, who plays Hopper, one of my favorite characters on that show, uh, was also Hellboy this year. Uh, he's pretty certain Hellboy won't get a sequel. No shock there. That movie sucked ass. Big time. Why is that even news? Why am I even wasting my breath talking about it? I don't know. I don't know. I guess because you guys want to hear it, don't you? Probably not. I'm probably wasting your time, too. Anyway, Disney has canceled yet another one of Fox's planned movie adaptation remakes in Alien Nation. Cool. Got a trailer from Mulan. Whole lot of meh. Just boring. No Mushu, apparently. I just realized, I just found this out. There's not going to be a Mushu in the live-action remake. And yeah, whatever, they're trying to go for realism to a degree. But why the fuck are you making all these other live-action movies with all this other bullshit? Aladdin? Aladdin had a genie and magic and all that nonsense. Cinderella, Beauty and the Beast, that all had magic and shit. I guess because Mulan's based on a real person. I say that mockingly, but yes, Mulan is based on a real historical figure. But like, the Disney movie was too, and that shit had like magic and shit, and a fucking talking dragon. Why can't we get that in the remake? That's all I'm asking. That's all I'm asking for. And you guys are denying it. I just hope Ming-Na Wen is in it in some capacity. The voice of Mulan. Also plays May on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So she's still in the Disney family. They could have called her. Anyway. The creator of The Mask is courting a well-known physical comedian for a possible remake. But he wouldn't say her name. I wonder who it could be. All my guesses would be on Kate McKinnon. Because that woman has an elastic face like Jim Carrey. Like, did you see her faces in the, in the Ghostbusters movie she was in? What about all her amazing impressions and all her other work on Saturday Night Live. My guess is on Kate McKinnon. 100%. All on back. All betting on black. All on black. That's who I'm thinking. I hope she signs on. Because she would be a perfect, perfect person to follow in the footsteps of Jim Carrey. Unlike that shit mask movie that had Jamie Kennedy in it. Daisy Ridley was being interviewed about Star Wars Rise of the Skywalker. And according to notes... Ray's parents will be addressed yet again for a third time. I'm not surprised. People who fell for that bullshit in Last Jedi, pretty goddamn gullible. Kylo was trying... Oh, spoiler alert for a two-year-old movie. Kylo was trying to sway Ray over to his side. Of course he would try and lie to her and say that her parents were meaningless. You guys really fall for that nonsense? This is Star Wars. It's more by the numbers than anything. And I know... Because I've invested a lot of time and money into a lot of Star Wars stuff. Like, it's so by the numbers that there's definitely no way her parents weren't important or influential in some way, shape, or form. Doesn't have to be Obi-Wan's granddaughter or kid or whatever. That, that's a bullshit theory if you ask me. Doesn't necessarily have to be related to Luke. It could be someone else from the Jedi Order for all we know. Hell, it could be Qui-Gon's like something. I don't know. But, like, if you guys really... People got angry over this, too, with the last Jedi. Like, oh, they threw it out. Blah, 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 blah. Like, get over your fucking selves. 
God forbid it didn't pay off in the way you expected. There was a whole other fucking movie coming. You really think they're just going to let that shit slide and get tossed around like nothing? I mean, I know Snoke did, but who cares? We never got a backstory on Snoke. There was nothing to care about with Snoke. At least with the Emperor, there was build-up. Look, look, look. I, I don't want to be labeled as a Last Jedi apologist, even though I am, because it's a great fucking movie. But what you guys need to understand... Yeah, and I'm going to talk to you in a little condescending of a tone here. Just because things are said and done in The Last Jedi does not mean they have to be taken at face value. We're dealing with a person of the dark side who's trying to sway someone to his side, his way of, of, of thinking, all right? The Emperor did it with Vader and tried to do it with Luke. When he was Palpatine, he, like, clearly had his clutches on Anakin as a kid, man. This is something that is normal and expected in Star Wars. And that is why, that is why I knew when I watched that movie that that shit was lying and not true. Like, hell, even when Rey is in that dark side cave, like, she doesn't see who her parents are because she doesn't actually know. And it's a dark side cave. It's fucking with your head. Remember when Luke went into the dark side cave on Dagobah and Empire Strikes Back? He killed Vader only to see his face in it. It didn't tell him that Vader was his father. All you guys are falling into stupid little traps and like, ah, oh man, whatever. All y'all are haters. Moving on. Moving on. Little Mermaid has cast its Ariel. Her name is Hallie Bailey of Chloe X. Hallie. And I have yet to check any of her stuff on YouTube out. I guess that's how she got famous. She's a, a singer, songwriter, I guess, or covers, cover artist. I'm very excited. The internet is all in a tizzy. Uh, internet is being its old racist self yet again, as uh, almost expected. I'm kind of glad Disney decided to, to break from the norm and, and cast an actress of color. I'm sure she'll do fine. She can sing. That's all that really fucking matters at the end of the day. She's a mermaid. Who said mermaids have to be white? No one. Literally no one. They don't exist. They do not exist. The only time you can kind of get upset about the casting of a character, and, 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 and again, you should never be able to get upset about the casting of a character. The only time is when a character is explicitly stated to be white, and that character is Snow White, one of the most worthless characters in all of fantasy. That's the only time, the only time, and even then, you have a very, very sliver of shore to stand on. But one of my favorite things to come out of the internet this week, in defense of the casting, was a tweet that made the rounds, went viral. I, I'm pretty sure it's real. Uh, someone named Morgan Jarrett, Twitter handle Miss Morgan Jarrett, said, As a white-skinned redhead, I have very strong feelings about hashtag The Little Mermaid. Ariel changed my ginger world. The mean jokes ended. I became envied for my hair. And you know what? I want little black girls to experience that same feeling with Ariel. Boom. Done. Over. Case in point. Everyone needs to go home and stop crying about things that are out of their control. You don't like it, don't go see the movie. But you know what? Plenty of other people will. Because the rest of you are all garbage humans and, again, have nothing to stand on. This is bullshit. Getting upset over the casting of a mermaid? Of a mermaid, people. Not a real thing. God, people are fucking stupid. Uh, so frustrating. So frustrating to see people come out against this. It's asinine. People have their heads up their asses. God! Got a lot of rants today. But that's because a lot of frustrating things have happened this week. 
A new Pokemon movie was teased, possibly set in the old continuity. Uh, if you know anything about the P Pokemon movies, they uh, reset continuity uh, two movies ago with Pokemon I Choose You. Uh, they did a follow-up, which I don't know the name of as I've yet to watch it, but uh, it's almost like a remake of the second movie because it had Lugia and things like this. But at Anime Expo this past weekend, they showed off a lot of trailers, uh, or excuse me, they showed off an extended trailer for the Pokemon, or the Mewtwo Strikes Back movie, which looks a little unsettling, and I thought the Pokemon looked unsettling in Detective Pikachu. Well, standard CGI animation is just as unsettling, especially one that doesn't really match the current games. Anyway, we're, we're getting sidetracked here. But a trailer... Or a teaser, I should say, was shown off of Pikachu running through the forest and it had animation style similar to that of the Sun and Moon series. So either that's a, a teaser for the continuation of the series that will be set in Sword and Shield, or it will be a movie in the old continuity setting up the Sword and Shield universe to be followed by a new series. So Pokemon always does that. When a new when a new when a new legendary is announced, they usually come out with a movie that bridges the gap between the generations, because that's when they announced new legendaries between the generation of games. The last one to do that properly was Magearna, because the last couple of legendaries that they've introduced have all been shown off, actually. Actually, I'm wrong, excuse me. Uh, Zor Zora, Zorarara, I don't know the fucking name, it's this blue, yellow cat thing, was shown off in that second movie, whereas Meltan, Meltan, the new, the new legendary that was uh, announced in in Pokemon Go, or actually only shown off in Pokemon Go, uh, has only been in the series, which is a first, because the series doesn't always have legendary Pokemon in it. Uh, well, Zygarde was in X and Y. Anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. So, a lot of theories right now. Is it is it a new movie? Are they going back to the old continuity? Will it have the same shitty animation as Sun and Moon? A lot of questions. Movies coming next year. Uh, if you guys want a good resource for Pokemon news, I would recommend Cerebi.net. That's uh, S-E-R-E... BII.net. They have a lot of good Pokemon news on there. And they always have translations of Koro Koro, which is a magazine in Japan that always has Pokemon news. I don't know if it's leaks. I don't know if it's like a legit thing. I don't know how Koro Koro works. I don't live in Japan. I just see it translated for me on the interwebs. And we have more Akira news. Uh, it's getting a 4K re-release uh, coming to Japan next year. No, no word on the US release. And it will also be getting a new miniseries adaptation so the manga will be adapted yet again by the same the same person who wrote the manga and and, and did the movie will be doing a miniseries to better adapt it essentially even though the movie is a a, a simmering a shining example of of adap adapting a, a manga that's it kinda we'll get to far from home in just a minute just a minute but we got uh, two more things two more things here mad magazine is is pretty much dead at this point I don't think I've ever picked up a copy of Mad Magazine. You know, the the one with the kid with the freckles that they always do like a caricature of other ca characters, other characters of on on the cover of their magazine. It was a comedy magazine, almost like uh, National Lampoon. Uh, it's like I said, it's pretty pretty much dead at this point. Uh, they they are ceasing to create new content. And let's see, what what is what does this say? It's uh, to stop creating monthly original content. Blah blah blah. Oh, DC Entertainment was publishing it. Did not know. Uh, and they're also going to be stopped selling it on newsstands news uh, next month. Uh, new new content is being canceled entirely. Future issues will be collections of pre previously published material. So, let's see. From issue 9, Mad Magazine will reportedly be unavailable at newsstands. Issue 10, starting the reprint. 
of the 67. 67-year run. They had a good run. Uh, but now it's over. Uh, Weird Al posted about it, I guess. Uh, big, big, big fan of it. A lot of people have worked on Mad Magazine over the years. Uh, he took over the issue in 20... He took over an issue in 2015. A couple people that worked uh, around the industry have worked at Mad Magazine at some point. So that's um, that's happening. And got Smuggler's Bounty this month from Amazon and Funko. This month's theme was Darth Vader. Really stoked on that. A huge Darth Vader fan. I like how they keep calling them mystery minis, even though it's literally the same little tiny bobblehead that's on the box that matches the theme. Uh, so it's a Darth Vader one. A cool bar- bottle opener that looks like Darth Vader's lightsaber, but the bottle opening part is red. An exclusive, like, silver, shiny Darth Vader pop that's really fucking awesome. And then a, a t-shirt with a Darth Vader pop that says, I am your father. Next month's theme, though, super stoked on that pod racing, or the every month and a half. But love the Darth Vader thing. Always cool to get Darth Vader content, even if it's a little tacky. <clears throat> the bottle opener. Uh, but uh, the pop is really cool, and so is a little bobblehead. I uh, use that to uh, decorate my desk at work. But, 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 but... Before we get to the Far From Home review, let's just button up the show because I am going to talk about spoilers, but I will say this, Far From Home, loved it, loved it. Nine out of ten, though, there were some flaws. A lot of uh, cool stuff, uh, almost like took panels right out of a comic, especially the stuff with Mysterio. I'll get into that in a second when we talk about spoilers. Peter was great. Happy was great. Uh, the the characters in it are really awesome. It's it's in a world, obviously, uh, somewhat minor spoilers. I mean, if you guys have not watched Endgame, I'm sorry, you're a little late to the game here. But it, it it's an a great fit for the first movie to take place in a post Iron Man world. I will say that. And I love the characters and how they interact. The European setting is great, and. The way the story flows, it's honestly, to me, it's the the, the best Spider-Man movie since Spider-Man 2. Not Amazing Spider-Man 2, but Spider-Man 2, the Tobey Maguire one. And I think that's in part to Jake Gyllenhaal's Mysterio, Tom Holland as Spider-Man, and uh, just, just the interactions of, of everyone, and then the inclusion of, of Nick Fury and Samuel L. Jackson. But 9 out of 10 for Spider-Man Far From Home. Stick around for a few more minutes if you guys want to catch spoilers on that. I haven't done a spoiler cast uh, in a while. And uh, anyway, thanks guys for listening. As always, check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and and Facebook at Nick's Nerd News. You can also check us out at nicksnerdnews.com. And while you're there, if, if you prefer to see all the social media in one place, you can. You can also listen to the show right there in your browser. Listen to past episodes. Listen to your favorite episodes if you're new or old fans of the show. <laughs> little uh, little joke with the timing there. And also, if you prefer to listen to the show on a mobile device, you can check us. Uh, there are links to Spotify, Google Play, and iTunes uh, where you can download the show on your preferred service. Again, thank you guys for listening. As always... Catch you on the flip side. Otherwise, stick around for spoilers starting now of Spider-Man Far From Home. Anyway, so 
Spider-Man Far From Home opens uh, just a few months, just a few months after what is now called The Blip. The Blip, which takes place five years after The Snap. These are in-universe terms, confirmed by Kevin Feige. Anyway, the movie opens up with uh, like a news report at the school showing uh, like kids' cell phone videos of, of people disappearing in the snap and then people coming back in the blip. Uh, one of them was really funny, like a high school marching band is performing and people just start disappearing when they get dusted uh, in the original snap after Infinity War and then reappearing five years later in the same gym while a basketball game is going on. So they're getting like knocked around by basketball players and basketballs. It was, it was really funny. It was really funny. But it's an interesting take to see the world uh, post everyone returning and things somewhat going back to normal. Uh, there's, there is things related to Iron Man everywhere. And I mean everywhere. From hand drawings adorning a classroom for Peter to murals of him all over the world in all the different countries that Peter goes to with his class in the movie. And it's it's and you can kind of see how that affects Peter because he's still kind of lost and a little sad and uh people interview him and and things like this. And he's kind of having to take on the role of Avenger because obviously in in this movie they they don't have access to a lot of the other Avengers especially after what happened. Um, speaking of that, there's a, a really, the movie opens as well with the credits that go, so normally when the Marvel Studios logo plays, you hear like the Marvel song, this time it, it opened to, <laughs> um, I Will Always Love You by Whitney Houston, and it's like an in-memoriam of all the heroes that were lost, um, and that, that was really funny, but that that starts to take its toll on Peter. And obviously Happy is there to kind of help him with that. And the way he gets introduced to Nick Fury is really cool. Speaking of which, if you stayed for the credits, Nick Fury wasn't Nick Fury. That was all Talos, the scroll leader from Captain Marvel. And Maria Hill was played, or was being impersonated by Talos's wife. So they were scrolls the whole time. Which then leads us to find out that Nick Fury is on a base with a bunch of scrolls up in space. Is that a sword base? Setting up phase four? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? But, as we come to find out as the movie goes on, uh, Mysterio is allegedly from another planet, another Earth. Turns out that's not exactly true. Turns out he's been lying the whole time. He's a former Stark employee. Who created the BARF, which is the virtual augmented reality that Tony uses in, what, Civil War, I think? And uh, Tony stole it from him, allegedly, and that's all the tech he uses to make people actually fall for the all the elementals, who turn out to be images created by drones that fake all the damage. And this is figured out by MJ. Peter is in love with MJ this whole movie, by the way. But anyway, Mysterio was not a hero, even though we were led to believe that he was. It was all an illusion, just like the classic Mysterio from the comics. And there's a scene towards the end when he finally, finally uses the tech on Peter, when he's trying to take Peter out, 
And it's it's exactly like you'd expect of a Mysterio scene from the cartoons or the comics where Peter's just like lost in a funhouse or seeing things that he shouldn't be seeing. Uh, almost like almost like the Mad Hatter sequences from the Arkham games. Really awesome. Really awesome. There's a really cool shout out towards the end of the movie uh, where Peter takes a selfie as he's swinging through New York. And it's exactly like the selfie that Spider-Man PS4 takes in the game. So that was really cool. That's a really nice shout out. And then, and then, uh, Peter's going to swing uh, at the end of the movie. So we've established Mysterio is the villain, as we all thought. Probably not dead. Probably not dead. Anyway, what's really cool is uh, Peter starts to go swinging through the city to go pick up MJ. And right before he picks her up, he lands, uh, he swings through a building that's got an open, like, mid-level, eight, or mid-tier, mid-building atrium and lands. Turns out it's whatever the Avengers Tower was replaced with. And there's a sign around construction of, of what used to be Grand Central Terminal, and it's got a circle with a one with an arrow that goes to a circle with a two that goes with an arrow to a circle of three, and then an uh, arrow to a circle with a question mark, and it says, can't wait to show you what's next. 100% a teaser for Phase 4 and possibly Fantastic Four, because everyone thinks that what used to be Avengers Tower and what's this new building now with like an open mid-building uh, mid atrium could be the new Baxter building. So Fantastic Four is what everyone thinks, especially, especially when they hint at a question mark instead of a four and can't wait to show you what's next. But the real kicker, the real fucking kicker here is the first mid-credits scene. Peter was swinging through the city with MJ who hates it. He lands, he lands outside of Madison Square Garden and a news report cut kicks in. New York Channel 1, real news station with the real reporter. New video surfaces of Mysterio and it, it's a leaked video that shows that allegedly Peter killed Mysterio, Peter was all behind the drone, or Spider-Man was all behind the drones, and that Spider-Man's real identity is Peter Parker. Oh shit, the world knows. But we're not done yet because we cut to J. Jonah Jameson. That's right. And now, instead of a newspaper editor, he hosts a show called the Daily Bugle Vlog or Blog or something. It's a lot like InfoWars with Alex Jones. Same kind of background, same, same font. But he's played by none other than... Drumroll, please. J.K. Simmons. That's fucking right. J.K. Simmons, the man who perfected the J. Jonah role in the Sam Raimi Spider-Mans, is back in the MCU. One of the few people to be in the DCEU and the MCU. I think it's really awesome they brought him back. I, I, he's really the only person that could have done him justice. And it's funny that they're adapting it to, for a more modern take where he runs a, an internet video site just like InfoWars pretty much. Uh, kind of fits with how J. Jonah ran like a crazy radio show in the PS4 game. It fits really well. I'm happy JK is back. Albeit a little bit of a bald version of J. Jonah. But anyway, I can't wait to see what happens. Tom Holland has one more 
solo Spider-Man film on his contract. Who knows if they'll renew it for more uh, Avengers movies, things like this. But like I said, 9 out of 10. There were some flaws. A little too much reliance on, on the, the Iron Man stuff. Uh, a little bit of, of messing around with the timeline a bit and, and kind of going back on on things and um, like retro retroactively changing things. But other than that, I really enjoyed it. I just want to do quick hit spoiler stuff for you guys. But that's it. Again, thanks for listening. Check us out on, on social medias, Nick's Nerd News, nicksnerdnews.com. Uh, otherwise, catch you guys on the flip side. Thanks for staying for the spoilers. See you guys next week. Uh, we'll do pre-Comic-Con stuff. And then uh, no movie review next week. And then hopefully uh, in two weeks we'll have a review for... Uh, we'll have a review for Lion King, and of course we'll break down break down all, all the stuff that's going to get announced at Comic-Con in, in a couple weeks. Catch you guys on the flip side.